good evening, everybody. Um, thanks for being here. It's uh, my pleasure to be back. Um, I've taught on this subject once before, and I was looking back at my notes like, it feels recently to me, but that was all the way back in 2019. And I was like, why does it feel so far uh, in the past? And I was like, well, everyone has that experience now because COVID two years was like uh, three months for some folks in terms of just thinking on things that you've done. Um, but I'm excited to revisit this because it's a topic that I need to keep in my mind uh, more often. Um, and that's because, um, one, uh, they can become, um, we can become a little rusty with our own stories. And uh, two, uh, that will directly impact our readiness to engage uh, with our gospel testimony to uh, people that we will encounter in our day-to-day lives. And um, so there's a few aspects I'll, I'll want to emphasize in thinking of our testimonies um, as evangelism. Um, but the first one would be um, scriptural reference. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to read a, a significantly lengthed passage that I believe lays out a good foundational framework for us to use uh, when thinking about sharing our testimony in a faithful, God-honoring way that will hopefully uh, produce fruit for the gospel and for the glory of God. And that passage is Acts 22, um, verses 3 through 21. So if you'll take a moment to turn and follow along with me, I'll read it in full and then offer some thoughts and, uh, and so forth. So I'll give you just a moment to do that. And what we have in Acts 22 is Paul giving a defense. Um, once again, in trouble, uh, looking to be put in prison um, for the preaching of the gospel, running into trouble with both the Jews and the Romans. And he is addressing the Jews um, directly here. Um, And I'll just read through this, and then we'll work through it portion by portion as we do. Um, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. 
And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now what do you wait? why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So to the first section, uh, have a before, how, and an after. So if you're going to craft your testimony in some way, be prepared, think through the thoughts, um, all in preparation for sharing your testimony with someone um, for the glory of God. Um, You should have a pretty clear timeline and a logical flow to your story. Uh, You get a chance to talk about uh, what your life was like before Christ, um, how you met him, and what your life's like now. So these are for, how, and after. Um, This timeline, however, is different for everyone. There are many of us who... Uh, they're, they're not sure the exact moment that they placed their faith in Christ because of the youth. Uh, they could have been four or five. Like, Ashlyn, what was yours? If I put you on the spot, you were very young, correct? You were five, five-ish? Yeah. Um, I think that mine was around seven uh, with a significant spiritual event that happened to me at 17 um, that got me to this point. Um, so, like, my testimony would be I had a faith consistent with my uh, childlike understanding um, as a seven-year-old um, and a continued sanctification in various manners at uh, different rates uh, until through those 10 years between 7 and 17. So I would share all of that information because that's all meaningful to my current uh, position uh, with my relationship with Christ. So that would all be, to me, a part of my before and how, that, that period of 10 years in addition to uh, what was happening before then. Um, but uh, what this allows us to do, though, is since everyone's story is different and will have uh, uh, meaningful differences, um, that allows a lot more flexibility in how we share our story with people. Um, not only will we meet some folks who have similar stories to ours, but some who have radically different ones and can still relate to us in some way. And um, so the first, a little bit more information about the first aspect, which would be the before. If I put it that first blank, I'd say is your background. Okay, so back in Acts 22, the first words out of Paul's mouth when discussing with the Jews, he knows his audience, he's trying to testify about Jesus Christ to them from his perspective, says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus 
but brought up in Jerusalem. All of that stuff is meaningful for his background and his perspective on the issues at hand. In addition, we have his upbringing. He's taught by Gamaliel, Pharisee of Pharisees and strict manner of the law. That will communicate things to his audience that, that know, uh, that, uh, that, know those, that information. That's why he's bringing it forth, because he knows that they will know that information. Uh, in addition to that, um, he is also appealing to the differences now um, that he's going to uh, bring, bring forth later. So your background, I'd say, is a springboard for communicating into whatever context you're speaking into. So it is, here's my perspective, here's where I'm coming from, here's what experiences I have that inform the way I think. And this gives us all more context to be understood when discussing anything with people, especially trying to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ into whatever context um, the person that we're conversing with is in. Um, so just to reread that, he says, I'm a, a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict man of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. So he's uh, establishing some more common ground with the people he's discussing um, to op- hopefully open up more the channel of communication. And he says, even I, here's the big contrast, I persecuted the way uh, to the death, binding these people, delivering them to prisons, as you, even your highest leaders know. Um, this in, uh, in light still that I have turned from that uh, to, to Christ himself. So uh, just in some dealing with the background, you could talk about a number of things, such as your family life, what it was like, um, what, uh, what was used, uh, you think, from your background, your personal experiences to help lead to your conversion. Um, all you need is enough background to communicate, like, who you were or are and how it is that Christ could then come into that situation in your own life. Um, so that's the first like pillar on the stool to me is the background your uh um before so the second section will be the how okay so how is it that you came to christ so conversion experience is what i would describe in that um that little segment there um paul describes in verse six he says as i was on my way and drew near to damascus about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me um, which actually may be a reference to Deuteronomy where uh, the Lord talks about this great light uh, shining brighter than the noonday sun, revealing the sins of those there in Deuteronomy 28. Um, but he says, And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth. So there he is uh, acknowledging at first he knows that this voice is coming from the Lord. He attributes it to the Lord. And the information that is revealed to him at that point is that this Lord is not just the Christ, but that the Christ is Jesus of Nazareth specifically. Okay? So 
he is confessing that he had an encounter with the true Messiah of God who is one and the same with Jesus of Nazareth. Um, that's very specific for the Jews because um, he could have simply have been maybe an angel of the Lord or, or a Messiah that is not Jesus of Nazareth whom they put to death. So he is attributing clearly, I encountered the Lord who is Jesus from Nazareth. So he had that light. Then in response says, what shall I do? And receives a commission um, to, to act. So he expresses Jesus as Lord in that moment. And he knew that he needed to be forgiven of his sins. I think most likely with that um, uh, possible allusion to Deuteronomy 28 where it says this happened because of the sins of the people that separated man from God. Um, so I think Paul is alluding to that when speaking to his Jewish audience there um, to get there. But in, in essence, um, Paul, fully acquainted with the message of the way that he was persecuting, is, uh, has an encounter with the Lord of that way, whom he says, you are persecuting me, and responds no longer in hateful vitriol and rebellion, but in submission, saying, what shall, uh, what shall I do, Lord? Right, so that is uh, Paul's um, conversion experience. He's confronted with Jesus himself, repents and believes, and is changed in that moment. Um, so this will be the most important part of your testimony when you share it with anyone is in what way or how can you express to them that the gospel message changed you, that the substance of Jesus Christ being experienced by you changed you. So we need to communicate um, a few things very well if we're sharing our testimony, if we want them to be gospel honoring. And let's be honest, our testimony is because of the gospel, if we are Christians. And it's one that God created man to be with God and have eternal life. So just a few markers to keep in mind when sharing the gospel in the context of your testimony. God created man to be with God and have eternal life. Number two, sin separates us from God and eternal life. So sin enters the picture. Relationship is severed from God and death um, through sin. And then thirdly, the more comfortable of the, th of the four maybe, uh, God loved us so much that he allows us to have fellowship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. So that's three of those elements that need to be in there. And I greatly prefer uh, for the fourth one uh, that we use these terms because they're necessary. Uh, this fellowship the fellowship that is allowed through the Son, Jesus Christ, is gained by responding to his lordship with repentance from sin and believing in his death and resurrection through faith. So repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, all this language ideally will be involved in some fashion um, in your testifying to the work of that message. Um, it is much easier for us to talk about the, the blessings of God in our own lives and neglect the 
most important blessing, the one that unifies us to him, uh, how we learned to be reconciled to him, um, his, uh, his own heart's desire behind uh, blessing us positively and with suffering in that matter, uh, all for the sake of our own repentance and through his kindness that we be made more like him um, and enjoy perfect fellowship with him forevermore in the future. So, um, the second section of the how, we really want people to grasp clearly the source of our transformation, which is Jesus Christ. So, um, if we don't have a clear communication of uh, what the gospel, the elements of the gospel, and how your engagement with that message uh, was the point uh, that changed your life, then they could come away with all manner of other connections. We could point them to many other things that may be good but are not Christ. I think one common thing would be like self-improvement, maybe um, uh, in many ways, so maybe mental health or just your general success. Things like this are often used. It's like God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life would be a common one you may have heard. Um. If you buy a wonderful plan, you mean to be made like Christ and one with him, then yes. Uh, if you mean material wealth and success uh, granted by the measure of the strength of your own faith, then no, not at all. And it's woefully insufficient, number one, as a faithful testament to God, but two, as a, uh, a gospel proclamation to someone else for them to also be reconciled with God. Um, so we really want to massage whatever our testimony will be enough to clearly articulate um, the particulars, hopefully in a succinct way, of the gospel message so that when we get to the latter part um, and ask them to respond in some way, they are responding to the right message. Um, Because hopefully, right, so this is the... One of, part of the Holy Spirit's role um, in evangelism is seeds of the gospel are being spread throughout the world. They're landing on different grounds that are prepared differently by the Holy Spirit for different purposes according to God's will. Um, ideally, I think for us, the most um, ones that we would pr- appreciate the most, I suppose, are looking for are those that land on most fertile ground and are eager to hear and ready to receive. Um, so when we present a clear gospel message, we're hoping for, wow, like Jesus really is amazing. Um, I, I want him in my life based on what you've described. Um, so it should be at least our duty to uh, get out of the way as much as we can um, by organically incorporating a clear gospel presentation into our own testimony um, in hopes, in faith, basically, uh, in faith that the Lord will use our efforts uh, to bring people to himself and also allow us to, at times, bring in some of those those sheaves, um, be a part of the harvest, uh, not just the, the sowing part, reap some as well. Um, so uh, I think the, I've repeated a lot of these things, but if I were to do it more succinctly and clearly, it's a, uh, your testimony should show people that God loves them, that they're sinful, 
that Jesus is the payment for the penalty of their sin, and they need to trust Christ as the payment for the penalty of their sins in order to have a personal relationship with God. Um, Even if you just played out those three sentences, you would be doing well uh, in the context of uh, testifying in your own life. Um, I have felt personally the desire to avoid the gospel part when trying to testify with someone, where it's, uh, if I were to, it almost feels like to me when I was a kid, and it was like really time to jump off the diving board in the deep end. And I had no problem getting to the end of the, of, uh, the diving board, but I did not want to jump off of it because <laughs> uh, it was scarier. Uh, if you incorporate that into a conversation, then you're like, well, what, question, what if they have questions I don't have answers for? Or what if I speak wrongly? This is why we work hard on the back end to at least speak clearly and uh, try to deal with some of these things and deal with some of these apologetic issues. But uh, ultimately, uh, even the times where I felt that fear or I felt like I didn't do um, as good of a job as I would have preferred in testifying to the truths of the gospel with my personal testimony and dealing with people, um, all I've ever found beyond that is uh, still people understand the gospel, even if they reject it. And two, my boldness goes way up just getting past um, that little bit of fear. You were like, well, that wasn't so bad. Or even if that was bad, there were times before that weren't as bad. It's this whole thing. Uh, We're more likely to psych ourselves out when dealing with this. And it's largely because it's a scary thing, um, both uh, just solely personally. You're either dealing with information that you're going to feel like you have to defend well, and we should. And then two, you're also just revealing a part of yourself that's very personal. Um, If you're uh, sharing these personal details about um, what your life was like growing up, maybe struggles, maybe victories, all of these things can uh, weigh on you. They take a lot of emotional energy for you. Um, It is a, a deeply personal Um, endeavor to share the testimony of God's grace in your life to someone, um, even if it's not an evangelism situation. I think it takes a a lot of courage and honesty. Um, But that never really goes away, does it? I don't think it does. And um, that's certainly relevant in part three, which I would say is the after part is your life with Christ. So uh, one of my... uh, f- favorite um, as a student when I was being taught one of these I just had never put this together before this one professor brought it forward but he was like um, if your testimony stops at your conversion then what good is it um, because Christ left you back then basically is kind of like how he was describing it if you don't have a uh, an ongoing relationship with Christ to this day then uh, how beautiful is he? Uh, how great of a savior is he really? Um, so the way he did it so uh, succinctly at the time was, um, it's like uh, before Christ, I was like this. Then I heard this, and he would imp- 
pick a one verse from the Bible that described the gospel in some facet. I heard this, and then I was changed. And now Christ changes me day to day like this. It was kind of how he was describing it. And um, let's look just a little bit. This is less clear to me uh, in this passage, but I'll, I'll pull it out just a little bit. Um, with the last bit of Paul there in Acts 22, he says, When I had returned to Jerusalem um, and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. So this is all after his encounters and the scales falling off. Um, and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not, not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching um, and of the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me in response to that, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So what we've seen borne out in the rest of Paul's writings uh, after this point is his life with Christ, largely amongst the Gentiles, where he is constantly being renewed by grace. He is dealing with um, uh, many trials and struggles of various kinds. And all the more he is saying, uh, it is no longer I live, but Christ that lives in me. Um, that uh, I wish to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. Um, and so on and so forth. So we have literally a testament to um, much more of Paul's life with Christ after his uh, conversion experience. And all of us in this room who've been walking with the Lord any amount of time can say the same to differing degrees and with different uh, circumstances, experiences, different insight based on the things that God has brought us through or put us into, uh, had us engage with. So this is, I think, just as important as articulating the gospel um, clearly in the context of a, a solid faithful testimony is testifying to the reality of the living God wor- uh, working in you to this day. At that moment that you're testifying to his good grace to someone. Um, and uh, the first time I really tried to put that... Um, think through that process. It was much more convicting um, than I expected to be that day. It was like a Tuesday or something, you know. Uh, Tuesdays aren't very holy, I guess, in my in my mind. Um, but uh, unless it's Fat Tuesday. Um, that's a joke. Not a good one, I guess. Thank you for the pity laugh, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but... So what I had to do at that moment was, not that there wasn't anything to report, but what I found with my own, uh, my own life was, I don't often think about what's God's, what God is doing with me right now. I normally think about what he did for me in the past more. When the call is to do both, uh, not one or the other. So one of the things I love about um, our sanctuary stained glass is there is both a backward um, in between and forward element now in the sanctuary constantly. There is a looking back to the creation, God's power in creation, his design in nature and the history of the world. In the middle, we have us currently worshiping under the cross. Um, in the future, uh, we have to look ahead to when he will make all things new, new heavens, new earth. Um, all of history will be uh, done and all of creation will say, 
Amen. It is a constant reality of looking back, um, dealing with what's happening now, and looking forward. Um, it's not one or the other. It's all. It's all of them. And so, uh, when dealing with your life with Christ now, um, it takes a lot more self-examination to say, how recently can I say I've been listening to what God is saying now? How aware am I of what God is uh, has for me now um, in the place that I'm at in? Uh, what are situations that I may be overlooking? Um, am I seeing my life, my situations right now, my relationships, whatever resources I have right now as being integral to what God, what life with Christ looks like for me in this moment? Um, and I find it more difficult than... I would care to admit most of the time to readily say God is working on me in this way right now. And that's not because I'm unaware of it. It's too, is sometimes it's the uncomfortable realities of our, uh, the indwelling man we're battling day to day with the war for worship. Um, the new man fighting the old man, trying to walk in the spirit and put off the things of the flesh. But it could also be that, uh, well, uh, coming down from that uh, in my own personal life, I'm generally a self-centered person. Um, Not in, like, the kitschy joke way, like, oh, you know, like, I only think about myself. But the way my self-centeredness normally uh, comes around to me is I'm just in my own head all the time. It's not that um, I'm seeking only to serve myself, but I'm not seeking to engage with other people. I'm only seeking to be in my own mind, thinking about things that uh, my brain likes to think about or engage with um, some mental exercise things that I can do without ever speaking to anyone else. You know, it's, it's things like that. Being, that's the introversion, I guess, type that I have. Um, and I found that... Um, Though uh, God has some design for some of the positive things associated with uh, the way I'm made, I'm also called to be more than that in Christ. And where those um, intersect with or uh, fight to keep from intersecting with um, being faithful to God, engaging with people, um, being present with people, I have to fight that battle all the time. So uh, that would be a, a reasonable example for me to say, um, well, my life with Christ has been largely wonderful. I've had many, many blessings, all from uh, the, the freedom of my conscience to know that my sins are taken away, um, the redemption that I've seen in my own brother, which I had to, uh, got the chance to lead to the Lord, who's now also serving in ministry, my older brother. Um, The benefits of applying the gospel to my attitudes and actions and thoughts within my own family and how it transformed the way my mother and my brother and myself engage with each other. Um, How that led me to pursue um, different skills and stuff for ministry, ultimately in a place where I met my best friend ever, Ashlyn who became my wife, and she's been the greatest blessing I've ever received. Um, These are all things that I can say, 
my life with Christ, though they have happened in the past, uh, currently affect the way I'm living and experience God's goodness in my own life to this day. Those would all be on the table for, depending on who I'm discussing with, uh, life with Christ. Uh, Christ transforms the way that I think about marriage relationships, the, the way I think about music, how to pursue it, the way I think about um, like personal development, all, all for the sake of the glory of God, uh, to be more useful in his ministries that he's called me to be in. Um, these are all aspects of my life with Christ um, that I wouldn't be ready to pull out if I wasn't challenged enough to um, think on them routinely enough. And honestly, there's a doxological benefit to doing this. It's literally count your blessings, but they're more than just more than just food on the table, clothes on your back, roof over your head. It's a lot of these things uh, interrelationally I found to be very meaningful to me personally, but also very useful um, in sharing my testimony with people. Because especially in a place like we are, if we're dealing with uh, folks who are not like impoverished in some way, their problems are more often than not, they're going to be thinking about personal problems. They're going to be thinking about what's happening in the inner turmoil in their souls, what's happening in their relationships, how they relate to the their bosses, uh, authorities, jobs, uh, all of these things that are, seem less tangible. But Christ has an answer for all of those. He has um, grace to give um, and uh, redemption to enact. So um, think through all of these things. Uh, if you don't see them right away or having trouble recalling, just pray to the Lord, whatever you bring to my mind, Lord, use it for your glory. I think that's a faithful prayer uh, to pray. Um, but I think that um, the the biggest takeaway I'd prefer to for, for you to have is uh, I'm talking a lot in terms of telling a story, right? We're testifying to a reality. We're talking about past events, present, um, looking ahead to future events. Um, I'm I greatly enjoy storytelling, so I'm always going to think of my testimony as as my own story, and I think that's right, because we our God is a storytelling God who tells stories, um, and I think the simplest way to think through this issue is um, our stories are a part of God's story, um, so. Uh, how God's story has affected our story is necessary. And uh, the more you think through where your story exists in the context of God's story, the easier it will be to integrate the good news of the gospel as well as your own unique perspective and experiences in your own life. Um, so I've just put a quote there kind of that I want to read out because I think it says it so beautifully. It's like, remind yourself as you prepare, that it's not just about how God and the gospel fit into your story, as I often do in my own mind, thinking through my own things, but also about how your story fits into the greater story of the gospel. So, uh, again, referencing our sanctuary, uh, that's the thing I love the most about it is, it is a physical representation of us 
walking into God's story every time that we go in there as a church. We have bookended by creation and new creation under the cross as his people worshiping him in this time, whatever day that is. Um, uh, being faithful to do this work, to uh, count your blessings in the past, think through all the good and bad, the ways in which God has used those things, how they led you to hearing the good news, how the, uh, the good news was communicated to you, how it has affected you then and still affects you now. Um, all of that with the faithfulness to speak up, like God changes people uh, through people. He's ordained people to take the gospel message to people, and it's through those interactions that people come uh, to the person of Jesus Christ. And, I mean, isn't that an amazing thing? Um, I always love to couch it as this. Is, uh, we think we need some intense drama or something in our storytelling, like in our own lives, um, for our testimony to feel significant. But the fact of the matter is, every person is dead in their trespasses and sins, and they are raised to life by the Holy Spirit when they respond in faith to the good news of the gospel. That is a miracle. God makes dead men live every day. Um, he transformed our hearts from stone to flesh, and he continues to do that now, and he will use your testimony to do the same for others. Um, so uh, leave no stone unturned uh, in your background if you can. Leave no stone unturned with peculiar, uh, the particulars of the gospel and how it's uh, working its way in your life right now. Um, and just see what God will do if you remain faithful to open up your mouth and, and tell it. Um, I've been introducing a song. You haven't even heard it yet because you've been <laughs> with, the, with the youth, um, which I will definitely be bringing into um, the main gathering hopefully sooner rather than later um, by a group called City of Light and uh, they're doing some wonderful work writing uh, some beautifully singable hymns that have fantastic fantastic lyrics and um, the first line of the, the tune I've been introducing to the youth and we've sung multiple weeks now is, the song is There Is One Gospel um, and I love the connection of this gospel as a testament to uh, a, per, a single person's life in the context of the good news. It says, There is one gospel on which I stand for all eternity. It is my story, my Father's plan. The Son has rescued me. Listen to that, that couching of that. This is my story. This is my testimony. That was my Father's plan, that the Son would rescue me. That's my story. That's where it begins. That's where it ends. And that's where our testimony should as well. Um, I don't have much more than that, but I would love to discuss anything with you all with the time that we have left. Uh, any thoughts or even just taking a moment to testify to God's grace um, in your life. Maybe if you, if you want, feel led to share a testimony with us now. Think through. Uh, take a moment and say, this is my testimony, how I came to faith, and uh, with the earnest prayer that God will continue to use it um, to bring other people uh, into the household of God. But, yes.
Any thoughts, questions? I have, I have a couple of comments. Sure. Uh, one of the last things you just mentioned is you're quoting the song that I haven't heard yet. <laughs> um, it was just a beautiful thing where testimonies are very personal, but yet at the same time, they bring us into a community where it's the one gospel, right, is, is our story. Because it's the same gospel that has changed us all who, has, who have given our lives to the Lord. Um, so in that way, it, it shows how, yeah. in a beautiful way, we're a, a big community as in the church. Um, and we're all united by the same testimony. Yeah. Because it's the same Christ. You've inspired me, and I'm going to share it with everyone. Okay. The, the final verse of this song speaks to this directly. It says, And in this gospel, the church is one. We do not walk alone. Mm. Uh, we have his spirit as we press on to lead us safely home. And when in glory, still I will sing of this old story that rescued me. Praise to my Savior, the King of life. I stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, I love church history. And this ultimately points back as well. Like, as you said, this is redemptive story. Like, the story of redemption and how we're fit in that and how God has been working throughout the history of the universe and it unites us not just with each other currently but then also with all those who have gone before us absolutely the same story so that's really cool very good any more comments or questions because if not I have a question if no one else has one Yes. What would you say is the best like context or setting to share the gospel as a testimony, as your testimony, versus just simply sharing the gospel uh, and not necessarily sharing your story yeah. along with it? Because um, you mean like relationally or occasion? Like, I guess both. Like, who would you be talking to, or yeah. um, in in what context? Because I guess for me personally, um, if I were wanting to share the gospel, um, I, I would. My I'm prone to just simply share the gospel. But yeah. when I share testimony, it's more so with trusted believers, and I'm not necessarily trying to do evangelism, but yeah. testify the faithfulness of God in a certain way. I think it would depend on what you get from whoever you're uh, speaking with. I found it easier in this area to get to the gospel as my reason for being here um, because so many people are not from here so it's pretty easy yeah it's, it's pretty easy for me like coming here as a ministry person to to say um, you know how long have you been around this area you know or are you from here and many of them aren't and I'm like well what brings you here and it's that's simple that's a more elegant, uh, as the phrase we would hear, the crass version of a Jesus juke, where you, <laughs> where you like you find some some cringe way to get into talking about God stuff with people. But um, yeah, so like if I was dealing with the more personal issues, sometimes you will befriend people who are not believers uh, if you're with them, who uh, go through hard things or. Um, you get to know well enough to be able to discuss more intimate things with them. Um, so 
that's the way I think of them in my mind more often than not um, is uh, the people that I know uh, well if they share stuff with me uh, like some of my guys that I play basketball with do this um, some of them profess faith in some way but I'm very vague on what that is because they're not very involved in a, in a Christian church to my knowledge but we have a number of occasions where we discuss these things and we talk about family stuff and all of that. Um, that would be a situation where I could be much more honest with with these things because I have this rapport, this common ground like Paul was trying to establish with, with uh, his Hebrew brothers there um, in Jerusalem at the time. Yeah. You know, like building relationships is a good long way for long foundation things, but Sometimes you're in different situations, like uh, on a mission trip to Greece, I was part of the team that was doing street evangelism, basically to Muslim refugees, and basically what we were taught is like about 30 seconds, relate a testimony that they'll understand and start a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of a different approach than mainly what we would probably have around here, but that's what our approach was out there. Yeah. Very good. Any more comments? Stuff is good stuff so far. I like what you had to say about you know making sure that the gospel is part of your testimony because I've always thought that your testimony has got a lot of strength to it because it's yours. Yeah. And nobody can refute what is yours. Um, you know, people will sometimes refute what the Bible has to say, or try to anyway. Yeah. Um, but I like what you're saying as far as making sure that the gospel is embedded in your testimony and it's not just about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Ten more seconds. Anyone more comments or questions? A story comment. Um, last week. Was it last week or the week before? I don't know. We were in Nepal. And we were on this walk that we were told was two hours long. And on like hour six, I started talking with um, one of the girls that we went with. And she was not speaking like really great English. But it was amazing to me because I was just asking her questions, like simple questions, just to talk. Because we had like so much time. And... Um, she right away went to, well, let me just tell you how God saved me. And so she was a Christian, but I was just struck by how quickly she told me um, in limited English. Like, she was struggling, yeah. and I was struggling to understand her because she had such a thick accent. But we both were able to communicate how God saved us, and her story was much more, I don't know, to me, it seemed more dramatic because she was she grew up in an orphanage. She had all of these uh, struggles that we don't see here every day in America. Um, but she still had a this was me before Christ, and this is me after Christ, and it was all involved. And so I shared my story, and I felt kind of like oh, this isn't going to be as good. <laughs> but it's so true that our story is part of God's story, and so because of that, we both were able to. Um, just share each with each other how God is faithful. And so, even with the language barrier, like, I think it's important to remember, too, that the Holy Spirit is there when we tell our stories, too. So it's not just us. 
um, communicating to each other. It's God communicating to us about himself. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a great takeaway, I think. It's what we're always trying to get to with uh, working through some of these issues is that we can organically discuss what our lives have been like and what they are like um, in reference to the gospel message um, in a, what feels like a natural way that doesn't feel clunky or manufactured. Um, and that will require different things at different times, but man, the, the benefits of being able to do that, just conversing with folks, um, to speak so freely about uh, who God is and what he's doing now uh, is such a rewarding experience. I can put this out for homework because I'm not going to be here next week. But anyway, <laughs> um, sharing with you, with other Christians, just yeah. um, taking the opportunity to share your testimony, practice it with yeah. other Christians is also, a, I think, a very good exercise so that we become comfortable yeah. with um, being able to share it. Absolutely. Refine it. Because ideally, I think we could find situations where we'll testify in the exact same way to a believer um, and a non-believer, the difference being the offer of the gospel at the end rather than, won't you, let's praise God together. Um, uh, yeah, so it'd be like altar call versus call to worship or something, but put it in terminology like that. Um, but absolutely, rehearsing it uh, with fellow believers all the time is how we get... Uh, good at it, I think, um, at least for that portion of it, to share with others, just ingrain it into our, our lives as, as a family of God. All right. Any final things? Anyone? Just um, a way to speak with others is um, if you if you have the opportunity, is inviting them to share their story. Yeah not just be a one-way communication where we're trying to share ours, but Absolutely. inviting them to, to share their story to you. Yeah, because like one thing that we could pull incorrectly from the, the passage that I use is like, oh, well, then if I want to testify, then I have to be like, well, I am a Jew of, of Tarsus. You know what I mean? Paul already knew what his audience was at that time. He's speaking to the Jews. When we're talking with someone we don't know, we don't know what our audience is really. We don't know them very well yet. So a couple ways you can establish, number one, honest communication and build common ground with them and uh, see what opportunities are there to present the gospel is by uh, giving them the floor, engaging with them, asking them meaningful questions, actually desiring to know who they are. Um, uh, so you can make those decisions, make the uh, those inferences and act hopefully wisely to present the gospel well then. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in, I've had a conversation with a, maybe the same professor or a smart guy as well. But um, <laughs> one of the better pieces of advice I got on this topic was like whether your story was like, you know, I was born in a crack house and I lived a life of horror and poverty and drunkenness and debauchery and then, bless the Lord, I was saved. Or, you know, I was born on a Tuesday and in church on Wednesday, you know. Yeah. Um, where, 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 like wherever you are on the spectrum. 
I think just talking to people, any part or piece or whole length of your story, just like make Jesus the hero. Yeah. And that was a good, like shorthand for, for me, memorable way of, you know, past, present, future, however, whatever piece or part of that story you're telling. Like if, if Jesus is the hero, and like you said, the content of the gospel is present. Um, yeah, at least for me, that was like a, that's a helpful like kind of shorthand. Like, oh yeah, all right, I can yeah. tell it tell it with that kind of slant. Yeah. Very good. Okay, now we're overtime. <laughs> oh, we started late a little bit, but um. Thank you so much for your uh, contributions, guys. Uh, it was really meaningful to me. Uh, I don't know um, everyone else. Um, let's have a word of prayer. Ask God's blessing uh, on the task of thinking on his, his grace to us in the past, in the present, and the future. And um, we can be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for uh, just a time to come together as your people to... Uh, apply ourselves to uh, the hard work of of holy thought, uh, both in knowing who you are and what you're like and what you have for us. Um, I pray that uh, you would continue to encourage our hearts uh, with the story of the gospel, um, the story of your creation of the world and working in it all for the sake of your own name, uh, for the glory of your grace, which we are recipients of, Pray that you would continue to grow us in grace and in skill um, to be uh, tools uh, in your masterful hand to accomplish your purposes here in the neighborhoods as we testify to the gospel and to the nations abroad as we uh, take it with us there as well. Pray that uh, Christ would be glorified and magnified in all of those uh, interactions and in our hearts and in all of our meetings, um, and that we would be bound together uh, under this one glorious message, bound together by your, your spirit. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.